Hey, what's going on, everybody? Howie Spangler here. Episode 45. <clears throat> Tales from the Green Room. Thanks so much for tuning in once again. 45 episodes. Holy crap. We're doing this thing. This is like a thing now. I think it takes like 40 episodes before it's like... Yeah, I think I'm going to keep doing this for a while, you know? Uh, thank you all for tuning in. Uh, <clears throat> today I've got Eric Rachmani from Revolution... Had a great conversation. Such a good dude. Uh, really appreciate him coming on. Talked about a lot of things. The early days. I always like to get into the early days, you know, to kind of see where the where the band came from. And oftentimes, I don't know the the stories of how like bands that I know and stuff. Like as many times as I've talked to them, I, I feel like I don't know like their story, you know. So um, we got into that, um, and I got to do some uh, some fan questions as well from the Instagram. Uh, make sure you follow me on Instagram, Howie Spangler. <clears throat> Twitter, Howie Spangler, and the website, HowieSpangler.com, and uh, again, what else? There's all kinds of shit. Um, YouTube, Howie Spangler YouTube. Uh, intermittent fasting update, everybody. Okay, so I did it while I was on tour. I've been doing it. I can't, I guess I, I can't say every day now, because I was trying to make it a month, right? And once I went on tour, it made it harder. And not so much that, like, because, okay, what happens is people show up, they want to hang out, have some drinks, you know. And I was doing really well. I wasn't drinking at all. Um, but then I had a friend who uh, flew in from Texas, and he was there to hang out and talk about stuff. And, you know, we had some beers together, so had to break the fast, right? Um, so I only got like 12 hours. And the goal is like 14 for me. Um, but I've been hitting like 16 or 17 on a lot of days uh, But then um, On like two shows in Florida I think I, I uh, Had some beers uh, With management and stuff like that You know, it's just little things But it's okay It's okay Like you, This is the type of thing that you can do it like Five days a week and then have your weekends if you want That's what's great about doing it this way Again, I'm not like The fitness guy at all So please do your research watch some YouTube videos, but uh, in my experience and from what I saw is that, you know, you can eat whatever you want, try to eat clean if you can, but uh, just, you don't have to feel locked to it like you might feel like in a diet and you're counting calories and you don't want to, you know, you can let loose still on the weekends and, and have a good time. If you want to keep it in check, that's great too. But I tell you, man, the app, the app that I've been using, it's called Fast Habit. And I think it was like $2.99 to unlock the pro version to log your weight and all that and see more stats. Um, it's totally worth it. It's, it's actually what kept me from, from breaking the fast on many nights where I was, you know, contemplating having a, having a beer because everybody else was. And that is the thing, like, I've always wondered, like, am I an alcoholic? It, and, you know, am I my dad? You know, <laughs> like, can I, can, I shut, can I shut it off if I want to? Like a lot of people say, oh, I can stop drinking if I want to. Yeah, I, I can stop. I'm not an alcoholic. And those are like the worst ones, right? And I've always thought that. But yeah, I mean, I was able to do it. It was just a couple nights where some friends were out, things like that. But yeah, I, some nights I was standing in the middle of the bar, you know. Yeah, I'm patting myself on the back. Fuck you. All right. Uh, I was standing in the middle of the bar and uh, everyone's drinking, trying to buy me shots and stuff. I'm like, nah. No, it's cool. And I kind of felt like a hipster. And people ask, you know, what? I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm fasting. You know, uh, you know, I don't want to sound like a hipster when I talk. But um, anyway, 
yeah, it's uh, it's been great. I feel good. I feel a lot better than I than I did. Um, I'm not cramming uh, a row and a half of Oreos in my face every night while I'm watching American Horror Story. You know, things like that. I'm usually done eating by like seven o'clock, eight o'clock. Uh, the last couple of days have kind of shifted it a little later, but then you just don't eat until noon or one o'clock or something the next day. You know. Um, from what I understand, it's better to eat or to not eat at night. Like, don't eat late. Because then you kind of mess up your sleep schedule because your body's trying to process what you did to it, you know, before you went to bed. And it's just not good for your body. Your body want, goes through this, like, whole reset phase overnight while you sleep. And if you can do the fasting thing and then and not eat, you know, after, like, 8 o'clock or something like that, um, it's just going to be easier for your body to do that. And you're going to feel up, you're going to wake up feeling a lot better. So in my experience, it's been really nice. Uh, and I just felt a lot better waking up. Um, Ballyhoo has one show, December 22nd. It's our last show of 2018. It's at, uh, Looney's pub in Bel Air. Um, it's rad. It's like 10 minutes from my house. So nice. Not traveling. I hate traveling around the holidays. What's with traveling around the holidays? What's the deal? Um, so yeah, if you don't have to travel, that's great. Uh, so I'm trying to convince the guys to wear Christmas sweaters for that show. It gets hot up there. I don't know how long it'll last. We'll see. Um, so stay tuned for that. Uh, anything else going on that I need to tell you about? Um, maybe not. Oh, well, January, we're going out with Badfish. Um, like two weeks Middle of January, going down the coast, like Carolinas, ballyhooracks.com uh, slash tour, get tickets for that. And we're doing One Love in Long Beach. Uh, we did it last year, and it was great. Uh, or was it earlier this year? I guess it was earlier this year. Um, great festival, man, and the lineup is just stacked this time. So, again, ballyhooracks.com slash tour, get tickets for that. Revolution, Iration. Sublime with Rome, Common Kings, I think, Pacifier. It's just a huge lineup. Um, all right. Thank you so much to uh, my supporters. Um, every week or so, I get like a new email saying, the podcast has a new supporter. Thank you very much for uh, believing in me and supporting me in this cool thing that I'm doing. I really love doing it. It's not about the money at all, but it does when you do support the podcast it takes care of like admin fees and things like that website and stuff so thank you very much i really appreciate it if you would like to support the podcast you can go to talesfromthegreenroom.com and hit the support the podcast button and uh you can set up a monthly payment of 99 cents 4.99 9.99 whatever you want you can cancel anytime no hard feelings at all i just really uh appreciate it um okay let's get to it today eric rockmani Episode 45, we had a lot to talk about. Here it is, give it up. What's going on, man? How you doing? Hey, what's up, Harry? <laughs> Chilling, man. Thanks for, uh, thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, I've, I've been listening to your podcast and... I'm glad that we found time to chat for a little bit. Yeah, you've been a busy dude. Yeah, it's like uh, every time I feel like I have time off, there's always a, a new opportunity and 
just kind of, you know what it's like to live out of a suitcase. Constantly. <laughs> What's, uh, so you just did that, that acoustic thing with, um, like Ted and who else was on that with you? Yeah, it was me and, um, Ted from Pacifier and Kyle Ahern, who is now the other guitar player in Revolution. Uh, we hit the road on the East Coast for four shows. We did New York, Boston, Philly, and DC. And, um, yeah, it's an all acoustic tour, um, just benefiting like seven or eight nonprofits that we all chose. And, uh, it's been great. I, I, I just love playing acoustic. It's one of my passions. You know, I, I got started playing acoustic before electric. So, um, it's been nice just to kind of like strip things down. And, um, I figured why not, you know, just kind of give back doing what I do best, which is just performing. <clears throat> yeah, you're a fucking great guitar player. <laughs> I think I've told you that before, oh. but um, yeah, the uh, people are people really dig the uh, the videos and stuff you put up on the Instagram. Like just kind of noodling around the guitar, and um, it's definitely fun to watch. I'm, I'm certainly taking notes. Oh, right on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I feel like uh, you know, as a guitar player, you're never like fully satisfied with how you're playing. Um, and there's just so many different styles of guitar playing. So whenever you tour with somebody, you pick up a, a new, um, some new technique. Um, that's the greatest part about touring is just like adapting and, uh, just learning from other people. But I think it's interesting cause I'm always like working with new gear. Like I'm never satisfied with what setup I have, you know? And I think that's just kind of, how it is as a guitar player you're always constantly changing your setup like new guitars and new pedals and you want to try different stuff and there's just too many options that <laughs> it's uh, you're always changing it yeah <clears throat> i went from the uh the metal zone pedal years and years ago <laughs> i started with that I like the metal zone uh boss pedal and um finally i think i my first amp was a crate amp which is like 80 bucks is a little like i don't know like eight or ten watt guitar app and I saved up my babysitting money and uh I bought this little amp and I used to crank it so loud and I blew it like I think the first couple times I played it and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know um yeah funny what, what was your uh, what was your first uh, setup um that's a good question I mean I came from an acoustic background so I didn't really have those until uh, until I met Revolution, honestly, I was just playing acoustic. I was in some more like singer songwriter folk music. Um, and then once I met Marley, he was like, Hey, let's, uh, he's like, I, I see you're into reggae music, Eric. Like, let's, let's do a cover band. Let's, let's play some shows and some parties. And I know, a another singer and, you know, a drummer and let's just play some songs. And I said, sure. So I ended up, uh, having to borrow an electric guitar. And I think I bought some sort of multi-effects processor, like a, a boss multi-effects processor to use. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of my first, um, first time going electric. That's rad. Um, what was the, uh, what was the first revolution show official? It was in 2004. We played just in our backyard. And at the time, um, I wasn't even singing. I was just doing backup. Um, 
Marley, Marley's friend, Matt, who used to be in the band. He was on um, our first demo and the Courage to Grow album. He was the singer. And um, that was the, the first show we did sometime in 2004. I think it was the fall of 2004. But at the time, we were just covering like Bob Marley, Sublime, um, and then just a few of our favorite like roots reggae songs. Um, but at the time I didn't even want to be a, a singer. I just was happy being the guitar player. I never, I was always too nervous to sing really. In fact, the first time I sang was maybe a year before that. I took a songwriting class at Santa Barbara city college. And the first thing that the instructor made me do was made everybody do is get up in front of class and sing something that they wrote. And wow. Yeah, I mean, when I got up, when I got up in front of the class, I, you know, I definitely like mumbled as I was singing because I was so nervous. And, um, but I think, you know, the more, the more practice I had, the more I felt comfortable doing it. And now I, I feel like I sing more than I even play guitar when I'm performing. So, uh, pretty crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's funny how it turns out. Yeah, uh, the last couple times I've seen you guys, it's, um, I definitely see you kind of like throw the guitar down, just grab the mic, let the other guy take it, and you kind of get in the crowd's face a little bit. Yeah, it's fun to move around. It really is. I, uh, I that's why I've always loved playing. Like, <clears throat> uh, I've always loved. I, I started from like the like that pop punk thing. Like Green Day is my favorite band, and like, um, so I kind of took notes from you know billy joe armstrong as how to be a front man and then you know i was in all these rock bands as a kid i was i mean i was a 80s glam metal kid like i loved motley Crue and rad and poison tesla you know bands like that so you see those wild videos and stuff on mtv and um that's how i always thought a performer should be and uh when we started playing more reggae stuff um and we kind of got more known for that like our bouncy kind of pop reggae stuff and so we have to play a lot of the songs live. And uh, I, I found that, like, I couldn't get away from the mic as often as I wanted to. And I feel like I'm just kind of, like, bouncing back and forth behind the mic most of the set. And so this past summer, we started, like, adding more of our older pop punk stuff in there and, like, trying to make the set a little bit more rocky. And, like, it's been a lot more fun for me, honestly, because I, I feel like I can really engage with the crowd a lot more because I can step away and run around and, like, get in their face and scream at them and stuff like that. Oh, that's awesome. I mean, well, you're a fantastic front man. I got to see you perform uh, multiple times, but the last time I saw you was at Secrets and, um, uh, what was it, Ocean City? Yeah. And uh, I was just blown away at how you command a crowd. I mean, you had everybody just full attention on the band and particularly you and uh you know I, I definitely uh I was amazed I was blown away at your performance and um but you know I think um <laughs> I think <laughs> I think well you know I think that Billy Joe Armstrong is a pretty good role model to look up to you as a front man I mean I, I, like you I, I was into Green Day as a kid and um I still love the band um I know most of their catalog and I just love the songwriting, but when I saw him perform live, I was like, wow, this guy really is such an incredible performer. And, uh, you could tell he just loves performing, yeah. you know, like, you know, like every second that guy's on stage, he's loving being there. Um, at least that's what I got when I saw him. So, um, but it's also nice to like, 
that's another reason why I brought in another guitar player was so that I could kind of put the guitar down and just really engage the crowd here and there. And uh, so I know for you, I think, you know, have, have you been the only guitar player in the band? Yeah, I have. That's I have and, and that's actually one of the, it's been one of my thoughts for a long time to actually eventually get a second guitar player. Um, and uh, once the, you know, it just comes down to like, it's another mouth to feed. It's another spot in the van. You know, it's, it's, it, there's more going on there than just adding someone into the band. There's, you know, and, um, definitely. but it's, it's definitely something that I've wanted to do. Cause I, I, just like you said, I want to be able to like, I want to be able to get out there and some, even sometimes put the guitar down and, you know, um, just, I feel like it'd be nice. And plus it'd be nice too. Cause I'm not much of a, like I'll admit, I I will destroy like a rhythm guitar. I'm really good tight rhythm player, man. But I'm not much of a shredder, you know, guitar solos things like that. Um, I play any solos that I do. It's more to like serve the song and like it's more melodic. Um, mm-hmm. So I would love to have somebody that could, you know, shred it up a little bit and and complement the the sound. You know, um, <clears throat> that would be really cool. For yeah. Me. Well, hey man, if you ever need another guitar player, I'm down. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I don't consider myself a shredder. Actually, I, I think I think we're kind of in the same boat. Like we, um, you know, we can uh, do some leads here and there, um, but you know, yeah, that's, that's why I brought in Kyle. I mean, he he's able to kind of do it all. He's a great guitar player. Um, it's it's interesting because with him, um, he won a Revolution contest like four years ago as. Uh, we do this jam of the band contest where people send in their covers of revolution songs. And he was actually a winner four years ago. Really? Yeah. And I remember we jammed, um, at one of the shows in Pennsylvania and, um, I could tell he was really nervous and he was a big fan. Um, and then we kept in contact over the years and I was like, huh, I think I'm ready to, you know, add another member to the band. And, and he was like, Hey, if you ever need me to play guitar, and so we rehearsed and he, he already knew like every revolution song for the most part. And so it made it really easy to bring him into the band. And, um, you know, since he's been in the band, it's, uh, it's been great. I mean, he just, he just like, we work really well together. It's one of the main reasons why I'm doing this acoustic tour right now is because we're just vibing. Like we, we can easily like, you know, choose to do something right before the set, like, and put it in there and kind of there's that spontaneous, like, vibe where we can really do things on the spot. It makes it really special. Yeah, I think that's that's what's really good about doing those stripped down acoustic sets, man, especially when the, when there's not as many members on stage and, like, it's, you know, if the guy knows the songs and it's literally just like, oh, we're going to do this one, you know, and you could literally decide right there on stage if you wanted to, you know, if somebody, if a fan shouts out, yo, play, you know, whatever, like you could, you could go into it like right. that. Um, yeah, I love that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and it's cool. Like, you know, when I think of acoustic, I really think of just acoustic guitar, uh, maybe a couple acoustic guitars and, you know, it's not to say you can't throw in percussion and a piano and violins and cello and stuff and still call it acoustic. But um, once you start adding a bunch of stuff, I feel like it takes the attention away from the stripped down vibe of just, you know, a couple of acoustic guitars. So that was my goal. I mean, as a early guitar player, I, I bought um, a Dave Matthews um, acoustic album that kind of kind of changed my life honestly um i was super into just his rhythmic guitar playing acoustic guitar playing and 
when I heard that album, I was able to really hear what he was doing more. And uh, so I don't want to say I modeled this tour after that, but I think just hearing how stripped down that sound was, just two acoustics, it made me really kind of strive to to keep it that simple. That's rad. What was the what was the record? Um, it was Dave Matthews and Tim Reynolds at um, live live at Luther College, and I think uh, you know for his fan base, it's one of the more popular albums. Um, it came out a long time ago, and um, I think that might have been the first. Dave Matthews might have been the first real show I ever saw back in high school. Um, before I even really got into reggae music, I was kind of into more of that stuff. Um, but yeah, it was cool. I mean, I, I just really appreciated the stuff he was doing on the acoustic. He was playing rhythmically, you know, not just doing stuff with the left hand, but percussively with the right hand, you know, like doing palm muting and, yeah. you know, um, and, like I was saying earlier, there's so, so many different styles of guitar playing. I really appreciated his. It definitely influenced me in the beginning. That's really cool. Um, so it's always nice to hear about uh, the stuff that really connects with you for whatever reason um, at an early age. Um, like, again, like for me, it was like the Green Day and stuff like that. And like it's more pop punk based. And I started adding, I started adding in the reggae and like ska stuff um, about a year after the band started. And uh, we started in 95, so like summer of 96. When the whole like Orange County explosion happened, like uh, Real Big Fish, Goldfinger, no doubt, like um, all those bands started coming out. I, I found uh, it was Here in Your Bedroom by Goldfinger. I was playing on the radio. I was like, what is this? You know? And uh, I'd, I'd heard reggae before and I had heard Bob Marley songs on the radio in the past. You know, he was like the, the one reggae artist that any radio station would play back then. Um, and, uh, I just, I didn't really connect with me, but then I think once like, uh, you know, you hear it mixed up with punk rock and I don't know, it was just somehow, it was like, a, it was like the perfect package for me, you know? Um, and, nice. and that, and that's when I like, and then it was like sublime and I kind of went back and then I found, I started exploring the Bob Marley and the Steel Pulse and, um, and I just, uh, I don't know, that's when I kind of fell in love with, with that groove and that, that sound, um, how was it for you? Like, how did you find, uh, how did you find reggae music? I, I'd heard Bob Marley, you know, as a kid, like as a young teen. Um, but I didn't really get into reggae music until I went to a show with my little, with my older sister. We went to a show in Berkeley. Uh, Don Carlos was playing. and uh, She said, come with me. I said, all right, cool. And at that point, I think I like, had like smoked pot for the first time and I was like, all right, like I'm down, you know, <laughs> down to go see a reggae show. And, but I just remember like live, like live reggae, like really was different than just hearing it on, uh, recorded, you know, coming out of speakers. Uh, just, it just, it just sounded that much more full. And a lot of those old like recordings just, they weren't really recorded very well. I mean, they have a signature sound, but when you hear it live in person, you're like, oh, like, this is how it's supposed to hit you, you know? Like, feeling the bass, like, through your body and the spaciousness of things. And I just, like, really kind of gravitated to it after that one show. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, going back to kind of what you, how it influenced you, you know, I think you guys just have it, um, you really have that combination like mastered. I mean, I, the way that you go from like rocking it out um, from like punk uh, and then 
to kind of like spacing it out with like ska and, and reggae. I really admire what you do. Um, Thanks, dude. Like I've tried to, like I've tried to like downpick, you know, and like I okay, because like I remember I was listening to you and Micah talk about, you know, how you first got into guitar playing, and uh, you were saying like, oh, I just used to play like power chords, and then I got into bar chords and. Um, you know, a lot of like punk music is down picking, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And chunking down. Like it, it might seem, yeah, it might seem like the most like simple thing to do. But if you ask me to down pick for more than 30 seconds, I don't think I could do it. <laughs> Cause like I just, I don't have like those muscles down um, the way that, the way that you do. So when I get to see someone like you get up on stage and, and, and do that and then all of a sudden just break into reggae, I mean, it's awesome. So, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's cool. I mean, it, it's interesting because, like, for me, I get a lot of people that come up to me and they're like, oh, Eric, you really got me into reggae music. Um, you're the first reggae band that I got into. And I'm um, I'm honored when people say that. I, I would hope that it brings people back to, like, looking up where reggae music came from. You um, made a post about this recently. I saw that. Yeah. You know, I'm honored. Um, <clears throat> I just... You know, I just want people to know that reggae is, is a pretty big genre. And, um, you know, what's happening here in America is awesome. I think that the music is pretty positive And, um, you know, I think people are really gravitating toward this, like, still what I think is an underground music scene. You know, we're, we're not, like, supported by big me- uh, record labels and not really on like radio. corporate radio stations and stuff. And, but um, I just had hope that people kind of know where it comes from. And I, I do really think that there's a big scene going on in Jamaica right now that needs to be exposed. And, um, you know, I think for the most part, like Cali Roots and One Love Festival, they're putting a lot of Jamaican artists on the lineup. But there's a lot of them that, there's a lot of festivals coming out now that, you know, I don't see that. And um, so I would just hope that people kind of know where, where that, that it's still happening, you know, where reg- reggae music came from. Mm, I'll, I'll agree with that. Yeah, I was like, um, I'm not like, you know, the ambassador for reggae or anything like that. But when people ask me, you know, at the merch table or whatever, you know, I, I tell them definitely got to check out, you know, listen to that old stuff. I like, I was really into like the, the UK stuff, like the uh, Steel Pulse and like UB40, man, like, I just, I don't know, it's the way they took the sound uh, and just and yeah. spun it, I don't know, there's something really, really, it's, I guess, I don't know if it's more melodic or, or what it is. That stuff's awesome. Uh, and, you know, if, if it's not for, if people listen to it and it's not for them, like, that's totally cool. Yeah. I just, I think the thing that's interesting is that um, everything going on here in America is really to me, it's reggae-inspired music because a lot of us are really, you know, pushing the limits and we're, we're we're trying different genres and mixing it in with the reggae music that's inspired us. So, like, when people come up to me and they're like, revolution is reggae, and then there's other people that come up to me and they're like, revolution is not reggae. Like, I accept both of those because I really feel like what's happening here is we're, we're going to a lot of different genres. We're mixing it up. I mean, there are songs on revolution albums that are, don't sound reggae at all, yeah. you know? And so I think when people that specifically play reggae music and market themselves as reggae music and they hear it, you know, I, I think in a way they're like, oh, well, I hope people aren't 
associating this with as reggae, you know, uh, entirely. Right. And I would, and I would agree with them. So I just started telling people that we're reggae inspired. Um, and cause I accept both. I accept that we're reggae, except that we're not. Um, that's a good way to put it. So, I always called it, <clears throat> you know, it, it, back in the beginning, like, I don't, I don't know the beginning or whatever, but like the mid 2000, like mid to late 2000s when like, uh, these bands kind of started popping up. Like, I remember it being like, um, I was talking to Micah about this as well, but like in like 06, 07, it, it was like at, when it started really kind of ramping up is like Peppered put out No Shame and like Slightly Stupid was out there. And they were sort of like the kings of it in, in, my, in my head. Like they were like the kings of this whole genre. And this is 10 years after Sublime. And, uh, <clears throat> and then I started seeing um, like your guy's name and... Uh, I already knew uh, Stick Figure Scott was out there doing stuff, um, and then you, I, Iration. I, we did a show with them in '08 for the first time, so it really started kind of like, kind of ramping up. And to me, it was sort of like the the beginning of what's going on now. Here we are, you know, ten years later, um, and there's fucking bands everywhere, you know, and uh, right. and I feel like the ones that that are at the top, like Revolution, Iration, Stick Figure, <clears throat> Stupid, you know, I feel like um, each one of those bands has something different going on. And like you say, it's inspired by the reggae. Um, each band has their own flavor. And there's a bunch of like baby bands now that are like just copying that shit. And it's, it's become like a kind of oversaturated in a way, you know? And I love that it's like everywhere now. I do because... I guess the, just the love is out there, but it's like you really want bands to like push for, to do something else, do something different with it. Yeah, I think, um, you know, like Michael was saying on your podcast last week, um, that, yeah, it's important for people just to have an original sound, you know. Uh, for us, like we took a lot of the reggae influence, but we mixed it in with our, you know, our other influences. And I think that's what makes Revolution kind of a, a unique sound is that we do incorporate, you know, the other stuff and, um, you know, similar to you, similar to the way that you kind of taken, um, you know, the reggae groove and mixed it with alternative and, and punk rock and pop punk, whatever. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's really important that people just find their own unique sound and not, you know, not just copy what, what, uh, you know, they're into. Yeah. Yeah. I've always thought that like, we've had a bit of an identity crisis in the past. Like we, we tend to put like, we tend to like really mix it up on our records, especially our first few records, man. There's like so many different styles and it's like, what the fuck is this? But, um, yeah. And, uh, back in like the two thousands, it was like, people were calling it white boy reggae. <clears throat> and I remember embracing the term being like, yeah. Cause I thought it was like funny, but then, <laughs> but then like uh, we had a band that we were playing with this band can't hang. Uh, who's a great band. They're not really together anymore, but they do their last show ever, every, christmas um but uh they they were like that shit's stupid man like white boy reggae because those guys were like really they they like loved reggae but they were like another band like us that mixed it um like with like heavy punk and stuff and um but they just had a lot more respect i think for it uh than uh some of these kids that have no idea what's going on and just called it white boy reggae <clears throat> so i stopped calling it that and i realized it was kind of like weird and and I started calling it like American reggae just because like you say, it's more of like a fusion, you know, it's not, it's not, uh, 
yeah you know the original the the vintage reggae sound it's just a, it's an expansion on that i think with all the other influences that we all have yeah i think that's that's really good i mean for a while we were calling ourselves like cali reggae and like i think a lot of people picked that up and just associated any reggae inspired music here in america as cali reggae but it's like you know, there's a lot of bands that are not from California, so I, I don't even like using that term. Yeah. Um, you know, it's interesting. Like, it's like when you look at like the Grammys, they just have one category under reggae, and it's reggae, right? Yeah. But you know, even reggae music um, in Jamaica, I mean, there's so many different types, right? There's dance hall, there's you know, rub a dub, there's strictly just dub music, um, and it, there's so many sub categories to the reggae genre. Um, so I, I get when someone says like, Oh, well then you should be considered in the reggae category because it's just another sub subcategory of it. So, I mean, it's interesting. It's getting harder and harder to classify music in general these days. Um, and I think that's not necessarily a bad thing because, um, you know, for us, it, it I like that people can't really classify what revolution is. And like, this is reggae. It's not reggae. Like, that's awesome. It means that we're like doing something original, you know? Um, yeah, you guys have a, you guys definitely have like a signature sound, a unique sound to you. Um, you guys, I mean, your, your live show is very entertaining. Um, you guys are very fucking tight live. Like, it gets funky sometimes. And like, with the horn section in there too, it's just, yeah, you guys are just a whole, this whole other thing. You know, than than you were, you know, ten years ago. Yeah, well, it definitely helps bringing in some other musicians. I was laughing when Micah said, you know, when he brought in Micah Brown, that he he always said that he was going to bring in, if if he were to bring in other musicians, he would pick ones that are better than <laughs> that, the band itself. Yeah. And uh, I kind of feel like that's what we've done too. We brought in two amazing musicians, the horn players, and then you know Kyle's a, an amazing musician, so. You know, it helps out. Yeah, I think I think you uh, <clears throat> in in that respect, like when you want to add people to the band, or or even when you want to when you want to tour with other bands, I like to think that those bands are going to give us a run for our money on stage. It's going to make us push harder. We used to have uh, on our first tour ever, we played these these other like ska punk bands, and we were always it was like an energy contest every night. It was like seeing who could outperform the other, but it was like in a good like a friendly kind of thing um but it just pushed us to to go harder every night um and i can imagine getting musicians in, in your band that you feel are very very talented it makes you want to make sure you're sticking right up there with them you know you're not being outshined <laughs> you know right um, which in, which in turn makes the rest of the band look good you know right for sure um I give I give you a lot of credit, man. Like I don't know how. I mean, how, how many times have you done Warp Tour? Uh, two full tours. I mean, what's that? What's that like? I mean, trying to compete with. I mean, not necessarily compete, but like keep up the energy for a huge tour like that, and then with a bunch of other, you know, what I imagine to be punk music, which is pretty energetic. You know, to to match that energy every night must have been insane. Well, it's crazy. You're like it's 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 insane every day. It's a zoo every day and like it's definitely groundhog day but um it's uh you just one thing about that tour is that like it's not so much like trying to like outperform or like really stand stand out 
on stage. It's more like getting people to come see your set in the first place because there's so many bands on the, on the set every day, on the, on the tour every day. And so you're out there hustling, man. You, we made signs, like giant signs. We're running around, you know, from 7 in the morning till, you know, 8 o'clock at night <clears throat> with signs like saying, hey, we're playing at 5 or whatever. And uh, you're with the merch table working it for two hours. You know, it's just, it, it's hot. It's, it's, uh, there were definitely a couple of times I thought I was going to die from exhaustion. You know, it's just, it's, uh, <laughs> it's a crazy kind of thing. And, um, and yeah, I, I think, I, I like to think that the reason why Kevin brought us on those, those tours was, was because we were doing something different than the other stuff. Cause there's a lot of like metal and there's a lot of like the same style of, of music going on at those things. And, we were like the different band and he started bringing like more of bands from this genre, like into the tour. Like I, I'm pretty sure pacifier did it. Tomorrow's bad seeds did it. Pepper did it a bunch of times, uh, even less than Jake and real big fish more, more the Scott punk, but like it was just a nice way to shake it up. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure you have a bunch of stories from that tour. I mean, yeah. uh, <laughs> I feel I'm sure, I'm sure half of your road stories come from, uh, the Vans Warped Tour. <laughs> brutal. It was just brutal. <laughs> you don't have like, you know, we would go to like, they would, they would do, um, it was pretty rad because they'd have the catering set up every day and uh, we'd just, we'd be standing in line next to, you know, the uh, Pierce the Veil guys or, or, or um, uh, who else? Uh, oh God, drawing a blank now. Um, and so like these other bands that are like big on, on the tour, um, that are playing the main stage and stuff. You know, we're standing next to them. But then some of these bands would send their, um, I guess they thought they were too cool to like go get their own lunch. So they'd send their tour manager out with like two of the, you know, the black and yellows, the, the, the merch boxes. They'd take the two lids and like bring them to um, the lunch line and put like 10 plates of food on there and take them back. You're like, come on, man, you can hang out. <laughs> Don't be lame, you know? Yeah, it's funny. But no, Warped Tour was great. Yeah, that. You know, I imagine, um, I imagine everybody shows up and you don't know what time you're playing, right? Like, like you were saying. And then, yeah. So it's just, just a total, total shit total show. Total shit show, but yeah. You, I could see that being also really stimulating. It's like, you know, it just keeps you on your toes the entire time. I mean, and, the, you know, like, I'm sure you know when uh, everything is chaotic and then all of a sudden your equipment doesn't work. Uh, that happened, yep. <laughs> <laughs> I remember I was at Austin City Limits uh, a few years ago, and my electric guitar didn't work out. It wasn't working. It wasn't working with my pedals. And you know, when you have a big pedal board, it could just be one pedal, or it could be one cable, or it could be some connection, or the wireless unit, or it could be, you know, the power on stage. I mean, there's just so many things that could possibly that could go wrong. And they yeah, uh, and they do. They do. Yeah, I ended up doing playing acoustic for the entire set. Wow. And it was di difficult when it came time to doing like my guitar solo where I usually put overdrive and you just have this soft acoustic, you know, trying to cut through over the band. I hate guitar yeah. solos and acoustic. I, I can't play them. They sound rad when people can do <laughs> them. When they, you know, they, they're amazing, but I can't do them and it's, it sucks. <laughs> right. Well, that's that's been the interesting thing about this tour is uh, if I mess up a note when I'm electric, a lot of people may not hear it right mm -hmm. there's a bunch of stuff going on but if i mess up acoustic everybody's listening and everybody's everybody can hear it so and i've definitely messed up a bunch <laughs> you know on the, on the last four shows uh, that's funny but, shit, uh, man. 
Yeah, it's yeah, it definitely sticks out. Everyone's paying attention. Like it, it's uh, done so many. Well, the cool thing about one of the things um, I was asking Ted about how the tour was going, and he said, "Man, it's great. Like people are actually like listening intently, like paying attention." Because I mean, I don't know about you, but I've done hundreds of those um bar shows those three or four hour gigs where no one gives a fuck that you're up there (laughs) (laughs) right and you just it's a trip you're just up there doing your thing man it's like you're like whatever i'm you know i'm making a hundred (laughs) bucks right is anybody even listening to me right now oh god it's so you get done and it's like no one claps and then maybe eventually people like pick up on it so there's like one or two like pity kind of <laughs> things in the background right yeah totally but uh no um, but you're totally right yeah i mean or ted's totally right because um people are really they're paying attention i mean i'll just you know i'll start like a song and i'll do this like classical intro and i'll have my eyes closed and then i'll like open one eye and everybody's looking at wow. me you know <laughs> and and uh, it's definitely a trip you know especially for me because like i've i've never desired to be a lead singer or have attention on me it it almost it almost makes me uncomfortable and uh part of the challenge is to just get through that uncomfortableness (laughs) and just kind of get into the music itself and that's my savior It, it like it helps me just relax when i'm able to get into the music and then when i get into the music i think people really can feel it more than you know, people could tell whether you're faking it or whether you're into Absolutely. it. Absolutely, hundred percent. But yeah, it's cool. I think I, I did this tour because it's a serious challenge. You know, um, the attention is even that much more on me, and this whole stripped down vibe. Uh, but you know, I took the first show in New York. I was super nervous um, and got through it. Everybody had a great time. DC was the next night, still really nervous, got through it. By the time I got to Philly, the third show, I started saying, oh, okay, I'm starting to get the vibe of this, you know? And with Revolution, I mean, it took years and years and years before I felt kind of comfortable. And now I'm, after the fourth show, you know, I'm gearing up for the West Coast and I really feel a lot more comfortable doing it. Um, so it's cool. I'm excited to see where it, where it goes. Yeah, yeah. Um you're you're doing some the west coast stuff with uh Hyrie, i guess on the next leg yep exactly cool. um yeah i was hoping that you'd be able to come out to the dc show to perform uh, our song together this chick is whack man i love that song by the way <laughs> thanks man thanks dude that turned out really really well i was i was very surprised actually that was the first song that, that uh <clears throat> that i fully engineered and mixed and put out on our own and uh you mix that song yourself? Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. That sounds awesome. Thank you. Thank you. I listen to it now. This is, I mean, it came out in January. So I listen to it now. And I'm like, fuck, why'd I do that? Like, you know, I think uh, I've talked to my engineer friends and they're like, yeah, you're never going to be happy with your past mixes. It's always going to be, you know. Yeah. Um, but uh, I think it sounds great. I mean, <laughs> thank you. We do the, like, you sent me your, your verse. Um, and it was just, you were like, it was just you sitting in front of your computer, like with your phone, like, you know, looking at the computer and sent me the video of it. And I was like, fuck, dude. It, it sounded exactly like I thought it would. It's like, you have a very distinct voice. And like, I don't know, you just crushed it. The lyrics are great. I love singing your part whenever we sing that song. Um, uh, 
the song is awesome. I mean, it's like it's like pretty humorous, right? Yeah. And and it's also you know I remember when you sent it to me, you were like this kind of has like an oldies vibe to it. Um, and I think, I, yeah, like I love that too. I mean, I love I love Buddy Holly, um, and you know, it kind of reminded me of a, of a, a sort of kind of alternative modern reggae twist like buddy holly song yeah. you know and um i think it was cool because we both found we both figured out that we have a love for like that type of music and uh so as soon as you sent it to me i was all about it i loved it and, um yeah i think uh what was it we cover one of uh we cover this instrumental in our set it's sleepwalk. by uh john yeah sleepwalk Santa, by johnny Santa and Santa. And johnny, man. yeah Dude, I, I know. Uh, I caught that. I don't know where I saw that. I was like, dude, I'd sent your text. You guys fucking play that song? You're like, yeah, man. <laughs> I mean, how amazing is that song? Love, love, love that song. There's something about that, that music. Like, it's always going to stand the test of time, I think. And it's just so, like, it's, like, sexy, but it's, like, haunting. You know what I mean? Like, Totally. It's got this weird... Like if, like Rob Zombie likes to do, he he likes to take like uh, songs and put them to like brutal murder scenes, you know, in those movies. And I, like those types of songs, I don't know. I can see them doing either way. They could be in like a love, like a rom romance movie, or they could go in a horror movie. Like I, I don't I don't know. I just totally. I just love the vibe, and for whatever reason, I really really connect um, with that sound. And the, I think that song by uh, Sleepwalk was one of the first that I can remember hearing as a kid and it just it just it affected me I don't know I don't know um and then you know Spotify comes along and I'm making playlists of just all these like finding artists just like it you know the Buddy Hollies and um uh uh oh god damn it see this is where I draw a blank when I'm trying to like say things um <laughs> but uh uh Bobby Darren and uh the Skyliners and um I don't know, just that right. whole sound. I just love it. And so I tend to, I have a few songs like that now. Like just, I dip back into that old sound. It's, yeah, I, I think we definitely share a love for that. Um, it, you know, that song is kind of hit me because it's just an instrumental, but it speaks so much. You're right. It's like, it's sexy and sorrowful at the same time. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think that's actually you know, music can really speak for itself just as an instrumental before there are any lyrics. I mean, oftentimes when I songwrite, I'll have kind of an instrumental and I'll think, what is this really saying in itself? Is it happy, sad? You know, what, what is there a theme? Like, what does it remind me of? And then it'll take me on a lyrical journey from there. But, um, that's, yeah, sometimes I do it that way as well. I like to take, I like to take, uh, my formula for a lot of things has been, take something that like an I guess a melodic kind of upbeat sort of instrumental but then put it with like <clears throat> with dark lyrics like something that's almost negative because for whatever reason it, to me when it when it when you put those two together the dynamic creates this it's gonna be all right kind of thing like mm. um I have a lot of songs like a new record's full of like songs about you know missing my parents and you know troubles and things that have, that have happened in the past and um but the music sort of like lends this kind of positivity to it and it makes i think it connects with people in, in the sense of like 
okay, I'm not the only one dealing with this, you know? Um, mm-hmm. even, to, even to silly songs, like I have a song called Bad Credit where I talk about my shitty credit. It was like the first, my second, the second <laughs> album we ever did. And the, but the music is so positive and like it's acoustic guitar and it's just like this pop song. <laughs> and so it just feels like, well, fuck it. Here we are, you know? Just <laughs> That's awesome. Gotta get through it, you know? That, that yeah. music is so, it's so wild like that. Well, how many albums do you have now? We have how many Ballyhoo albums? This are there? is number seven, I believe. Okay. Yeah, plus wow. Plus you- EPs. Let's take a short break to uh, pay the bills, and we'll be right back. Hey, everybody! Quick promo right here. Shameless, shameless as ever. The new Ballyhoo song "Fighter" is out now. Uh, it includes "Dark Sunglasses," "California King." And Renegade, the previous singles from the last year, we wanted to put them all together so you had them in one place. We're super excited to have this out. We, it's completely DIY. We did it all ourselves, uh, from recording to production to mixing to mastering and release. We did it all ourselves, and we're very proud of it. If you haven't checked it out yet, please go stream it wherever you listen to music, Spotify, Apple Music, and everywhere else. It's Fighter by my band, Ballyhoo. Uh, we love you, and we hope to see you at the shows. Thank you so much. And now back to the podcast. You ever trip out like I do about the catalog and how many songs that you've wrote and all the lyrics to remember? I mean, and how fast it's gone by too. All the time, all the time. I, I look at that. And I'm like, it's it's over. Definitely over a hundred songs like released, and plus whatever we didn't release. And then, yeah, I forget my lyrics nightly. Uh, <laughs> We're about to do this. We're about to do a festival in Jamaica. And, um, festival. We're planning. Yeah, we're we're planning on playing. You know, the whole catalog or close to it. And I've had to revisit some lyrics, and I even looked up my own lyrics online. And a lot of them are a lot of them are actually wrong. Like they're wrong lyrics. So I can't even trust that. <laughs> so I have to to go back into the the CD booklets and, and read, reread the lyrics. Um, wow. And then, you know, then, then after that, it, it comes back very fast, sure. you know, like, Oh yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> now then it feels second nature, but, um, totally. Yeah. It's, it's, but yeah, I was tripping. Out. I was like, Oh my gosh, I forgot we even had this song or forgot about this verse or, you know, um, we were, uh, I've been, I've been, you know, I've been adding some of the old songs to this acoustic set just to, for that reason, to kind of get reaccustomed with it. And, also give the fans, you know, to, to listen to songs that we don't normally play as a full band. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. When we were uh, doing the, the 311, we were preparing for the 311 cruise, um, last year we, uh, we wanted to do, they had us do three sets. So we wanted to do three sets where we didn't repeat anything. And so, you know, you're playing for, I guess what is like an hour. So it's like, it's like 14 or 15 songs per set. So it's like, we went, we had to go back and like revisit from the first couple records and we even did a, a cover each, each night. Um, so yeah, it was definitely a lot to do. Cause you, you get into this when you're on tour. Um, we tend to play, uh, the same set throughout the tour and then we'll, we'll pull like a song in and out night to night, you know, so it's not exactly the same, hopefully. Um, yeah. but you know, it's just good for like keeping the show moving and everybody knows what's coming next and it's, and you're not standing around, you know, we'd like to put on a show, you know? Um, and, uh, but then once we had to, for that, we had to just start, like you said, like diving in and I had to remember lyrics and everything. And I know I fucked up 
quite a few <laughs> when we did it. Um, <clears throat> yeah. So when uh, so it was uh, it was Matt that left, right? The the old singer, his name was Matt. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. When did that happen? Like, what what brought that? What, what was his uh, thought process? And and then how did you feel moving into the role? Yeah. Well, I, I I never wanted to be a lead singer to begin with, um, and I think at one point someone asked me to sing like you know a cover when we were just a cover band. They're like, "Can you sing this Bob Marley song, or can you sing this Don Carlos song, or something?" And I said, sure, I'll give it a try. You know, everybody is faded, you know, drunk as hell in the backyard. And, you know, nobody was listening that attentively. So I was like, oh, this is a great place to just try this out. And, uh, of course, I had a, you know, pretty good buzz on too. So I was like, sure, I'll, you know, I'll go for it. And, uh, I kind of like got the confidence to do it. And then the next show did two songs and, you know, I just kind of went from there. And, um, when it came time to writing original music, I, you know, I wrote, uh, you know, several songs on Courage to Grow, I recorded it. And um, I had maybe six or seven songs on Courage to Grow and Matt sang like five or so. I can't remember the exact number, but, you know, once that album was released, um, he came to us and was like, hey, um, uh, this isn't for me. This lifestyle is not for me. Um, um, he, you know, he said that he got like, sweaty palms when he was performing. I think he just felt like, you know, it wasn't really working for him. And so he said, I'm going to leave. And I begged him to stay at the time because I was like, I don't want to be the only singer. <laughs> Please stay. And, and then he ended up coming back for like a month. But then he's like, nah, this just isn't right for me. So, you know, he left. Uh, and then it was up to me. And I remember at that moment, I was like, oh, shit. Like, I don't know if I can handle this i don't even like being the center of attention like what do we do and i definitely had a lot of support from marley wes and rory uh they thought that i could do it and, and then uh, you know i was like oh guess i can do this wrote and then i wrote you know six more albums <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah it's, it's obviously uh obviously you're comfortable now and uh, you, you look i mean you look and sound great doing it that's for sure and i, I can't I'm I'm pretty sure that like your fans can't imagine a time before you were the lead singer, you know. At least I I can't, you know. Um, it just seems yeah. so natural to me. So it's I'm surprised when you tell me that you never really wanted to be that, and you're always kind of anxious about it, you know. Yeah, I guess you know even just talking is difficult for me because the way that I feel comfortable in front of a crowd is getting into the music and the art and just expressing myself. And, you know, I suppose I could express myself when talking just like as I'm doing now, but it's a little bit, comes a little bit more naturally when I can, you know, do it through music, through song, and that's the best way to express myself. But, um, yeah, at this, you know, at the same time, Matt leaving the band was a blessing. Um, you know, this music industry is not for everybody. Certainly not. Touring lifestyle is not for everybody. I didn't think it was right for me. I was, I'm more of a homebody. And I've learned to be comfortable on the road. And um, so it was a huge challenge in my life. And, you know, in a way it still is getting, you know, trying to be comfortable uh, with people's eyes on you. Uh, but, you know, that that's what life's all about. It's all about challenging yourself. Um, 
And, you know, once you get through that challenge, you can really look back at it and be proud of yourself. And in turn, I think your, your happiness level just, you know, goes through the roof because, you know, you're, the pride that you have uh, in challenging yourself is, is so worth it. Yeah, when you, when you make it out the other side, you know, when you, when you put yourself through the gauntlet, um, it, and you come out, you know, uh, seemingly unscathed, I guess. I don't know. You, you, it builds your character. And it, uh, for me, for me, it, it definitely builds my, uh, uh, self-esteem and, you know, my whole morale. And, um, when we come out of a show and it just, we know we put on a great show and the crowd was going off and, um, and the, when you put, you put out a record, you hope people like it. And if, if they don't, it sucks, but you know, hopefully you're proud of it. Um, and when they, when people do love it as much as you hope they would, like, I mean, it's just, it's, it's like constant, um, uh, uh, verification, you know, that you're doing the right thing, you know? Yeah. Well, and then you have a story to tell and you can inspire the people that, you know, are listening or, or, um, you know, I think there's a lot of anxiety in this world and, and, uh, sometimes facing those, those challenges is a way to get through that and to overcome certain things. It certainly has been for me. You know, I still get really anxious and, and nervous before I hit the stage. And then once I start playing that first note, just try to get into it and overcome. Yeah. I have this weird thing like where I, I'll be on stage and this happens every fucking night, but like, um, I'll be looking out, we're playing and I'm supposed to be thinking of the next lyrics or whatever, or the next guitar part. And I look out, I start looking at everybody and I, I have, I'm really weird about making eye contact with people like <laughs> in the crowd. Some rock stars can get out there and just, they'll look you right in the face and like point at you, you know? And, um, yeah. and I, I'm not really good at that. So like at one point in the, in the show, <laughs> I'll start looking I just, it feels awkward. And I'll start looking around and I'm like, I literally ask myself in my head every night, why the fuck are you here? Why are you, why did you pay money <laughs> to come watch me do this? You know, like it's, it's right. weird, but it's, when you look at it, you know, it's like, no, that's just how it is. You start a band, you play shows, people come see your band play. That's just how it is. We've, that's how I knew it as a right. kid. We go, we used to go see rock bands. People go to concerts all the time. Why are you coming to my concert? What's so special? What's so different? What am I doing that makes you want to take your money and your time? You know, maybe you got a babysitter or took off work or something. You know, it's like, it, it, and then and then you go, well, fuck, thank you. It's it's you're so appreciative right. of it. You know, right? Well, I was laughing at one of your earlier podcasts because you were like, I don't like watching myself perform on video like you know obviously we're our own critic right. uh, or worst critic but yeah i mean any you know anybody that listens to their own voice you know you don't think it sounds good like if i hear my voice on an answering machine or, or whatever mm. uh you know i'm like i sound like that you know i think most people most people have that reaction so it's actually really difficult for me to to watch performances of myself i really don't enjoy it because uh, you know i'm very particular about every little thing that i do so oftentimes i'll just turn it off you know which is probably unproductive because i should be looking and and, and uh you know seeing like what works and what doesn't yeah work, you, you, get, know, in you gotta sense. watch the game footage you know at least 
Right. Somebody asked me a, a question um, on this acoustic tour. It's like, do you watch your own footage like, you know, like an athlete does to prepare for a game? And, you know, uh, the answer is is very minimally. Um, it's <laughs> <laughs> although although I should. Yeah. No, that was definitely something um, when, when bands are starting out, that that's something that uh, I learned a long time ago. That there was like a tip that I read um, years ago about how you should watch your performances when you can, because it, it helps you, um, it will, it will help you build your stage presence and, and fix things that look weird and, you know, stuff like that. And just how I feel like you should listen to yourself too, like in your record. Um, when I listen to our old records, it's very hard. I, I get, it's cringy to me. And like, and I'm like, I'm so glad I don't do that anymore with the voice, you know? Um, right. So I think there's or some like, value have to you that. Ever... Like, I mean, sometimes I'll look at some footage and be like, wow, we played that song 25 BPM faster than we should oh have. Oh, my gosh, you know? yes. Because when you're, like, in the moment, you know, you're just so, you know, riled up. You're just, like, ready to yeah. ready to go. You often play tempos way faster. Way faster. Yeah, it's, it's either <clears throat> super fast or super slow because the drummer's wasted or something. And, like, <laughs> <laughs> and... uh yeah, so that would happen a lot. We, well, I'll see like old videos on YouTube and stuff. And this is just even a few years ago, like, like 2012, 2013. Like I'm, I'm seeing us play these songs super fucking fast. And like it just, you realize that the groove is just gone, just non-existent, you know, from what the record. Right. And even some old recordings, like sometimes you're in the studio and you're, you know, you always want to kind of tap out the BPM. Like that feels good. That feels good. Let's record that. And and then years later, I'm like, God, that was like way too fast. Like, why did I, why did I let that go? You know? Yeah, it's funny. My mom like keeps pretty good tabs on what's going on in my music career better than I do sometimes. <laughs> cool. And she goes like, Eric, I noticed you sped up the tempos to all these songs. <laughs> I was like, Oh, thanks a lot, mom. That's, that's yeah. great. That was my dad. That's how he was. Why'd you guys do that? All right, I'll do that next time. I'm like, oh, cool, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> That's fucking great. Um, At the same time, you know, those are the kind of people in your life that will tell you how it is, you know, not just be like a yes man, like, oh, this is amazing. You know, they'll, they'll tell you, like, you know, what they think, what they truly think. Those are valuable opinions. Yes, we need that. We need, we need people, like, keeping us grounded and, you know, keeping us in check, for sure. Yeah, that's what I like. That's what I like about my girlfriend. She, like doesn't say like you're amazing she actually makes fun of my voice makes fun of my performances makes fun of my dance moves you know I mean, she, <laughs> she'll she'll lay into me about it and uh you know i appreciate that more than just saying you're amazing <laughs> yeah uh you really look like an asshole up there tonight dude uh <laughs> could you not do that anymore it's fucking awesome oh yeah totally so like she'll like look online at like Eric Rachmani, like, uh, what's it called? Like GIFs, like GIFs. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, uh, just, just me looking stupid, like doing something stupid. <laughs> and of course, like those like little boomerangs make you look stupid, sure, but, yeah. uh, you know, she makes an effort to like look online everywhere she can for the most ridiculous things. Of me, so. Oh, that's amazing. God. Oh, she's a keeper, dude. Say, hey, man, they're, they're out there for you, too. I hope, man, I hope I didn't inspire everyone listening to, like, go and look at this stuff and just spread it around. I fucking hope little... they do. And make <laughs> some of me while you're at it. Oh, man. Um, so uh, <clears throat> what, was the, uh, what was the turning point for you, you and the band, like, where you felt like after, you know, years of doing what you do, playing shows, 
people started showing up, you noticed bigger turnouts. What is there a specific show or moment that you remember that was like, damn, this is like, I think we've made, I think we've made it. Was it a, was it a paycheck? Was it a, you know, what was it? Yeah, there's a, there's a few moments that come to mind. Uh, you know, I wouldn't say there was really one particular moment where I, I thought that. I, I just kind of feel like Revolution has always been a steady, just like uh, steady growth. And it's been really nice. I mean, you know, we started out as a backyard band and then more people came and then started doing club shows and more people came and then just kind of upgraded and hit the road. And we, we just, we toured so much that the there's a, steady increase in listeners uh over the last 14 years you know and so there wasn't one moment that just brought us to quote-unquote stardom you know um but there were a couple moments in in the band's history where i was like this is crazy i mean the first one was when we went to guam for the first time back in 2008 and then again in 2010 and you know there were six or seven thousand people at this one spot sold out and uh, so even I couldn't believe that I couldn't believe that we could travel, you know, across the oceans and play for these people. And um, it was just an incredible feeling, you know, people were just waiting for us to play safe and sound and feeling all right. And uh, great songs. It's, <laughs> and, uh, you know, you know, you know, and at the time we were just this tiny band, you know, from Santa Barbara, California. I, I was amazed at the reaction and how hyped, you know, Revolution was. And then I think the next time, really, you know, that comes to mind is Red Rocks playing at that venue. You know, I'm sure most people that are listening know what Red Rocks is, and definitely encourage you to check it out. It's a beautiful venue, but uh, just the the shape of the venue, and then when the crowd fills up. Just looking up at you know a sea of people, I mean that's that's a pretty extraordinary feeling. So um, that definitely comes to mind. Yeah, that place is uh, that place is rad. I've never performed there. I've, I've been there once. We went there like in '08, like when we were on tour somewhere, on, like through Colorado, and uh, we went to check it out. And it's <clears throat> like, damn, <laughs> like I've stood on the stage before and looked up, and it's like, damn, dude, like bands sell this place out, you know? And yeah. yeah. It's 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 definitely a, a sight to see. I definitely recommend you know everybody go check out your favorite band, whether it's Revolution or <laughs> um, you know uh, you know someone else. But um, there, there hasn't really been like one particular moment to answer your question. Like a series of been, events. Yeah, and I still feel like Revolution is growing. For um, sure, you you guys have not hit a ceiling at all. I just uh, I guess I was just really thinking about like. That moment, you st- you know, it's like, to, you know, you're bringing 50 people, then it's 200 people, then suddenly you're bringing, you know, you're you're selling out, you know, one, two, five thousand seaters, you know, um, that I, th- I think every band at some point, like, I, I don't know, you just feel uh, that sense of like gratitude and just like, holy shit, this is happening, you know? Yeah, I, you know, I think after doing these acoustic shows, it's really the small venues that are the most memorable these days. Um, there's just something really special about connecting to a crowd that is just a few hundred people. Um, I know for me that, you know, I enjoy going to Red Rocks um, as a performer and a listener, but 
I really enjoy going to small shows and just connecting and, you know, feeling it's just a more special vibe for a tinier amount of people. So I think this is something I'm going to continue to do. Um, and hopefully not just do four shows on the East Coast and four on the West Coast, but, you know, come through um, all you know multiple cities. Yeah, I think uh, people love that, man. Do like a, a national thing. We got to get you to, to jump on the tour, too, because I know that I know that you'd sound great playing acoustic. Oh, thank you. I would love to. I would love to do that. I did one back in June with some friends, Jason from Authority Zero and Mike Pinto. Sky Rust Baum. We we did like two weeks um, down down the coast, mo- mostly Florida, but um, it was great. I hadn't done like a tour before. I'd, I'd done like solo acoustic shows all over the place, but like in, all over Maryland and things like that, but not like an actual tour, like different cities, like we do with the band. And uh, similar to you, like what experience you were having, like people were actually listening and they were there for that, you know. And um, it was it was a different experience. Certainly a lot better than you know, doing the four hour set in the corner of the bar where nobody gives a fuck, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> um you may, you may have already kind of answered this, but, um, aside from, aside from, uh, performing our song together this summer, you know, in ocean city, you know, what was your greatest moment on stage aside from that? <laughs> uh... That's amazing. Uh, that no, no, that that wasn't amazing. That was me. fun I as mean, fuck, dude. The crowd loved it. Before, before I answer that question, um, I saw that we're both playing the One Love Festival this year in Long Beach. We are, and I believe that we're playing the same, same day, day. And I believe that we should do that song together. We should absolutely, do that together. <laughs> Love that. I got. Um, you get the real big fish guys to come do the horns too. That'd be sick. Oh, that'd be awesome. Uh, I forgot to mention that my, um, you know, the same, my same girlfriend that makes fun of my vocals and <laughs> has a, a, a very intriguing sense of humor. Um, she came to, to the One Love Festival last year. And while I was warming up for my set, she saw you perform. I, I wasn't able to make it out to the show, but she recorded This Chick is Whack. She just loved the song, oh, nice. but had no idea that I was on the song because, you know, I, d- I didn't show up to, to play it with you, but, um, but I got to kind of laugh about it. Cause I was like, Hey, you like a song that I'm on. You like my voice. You like this song, you, <laughs> you know? And, um, but, um, you know, getting to perform that song with you guys was pretty special. Um, I, I couldn't hear myself at all. And I'm pretty sure that you told me my vocals were like on full blast. Oh, fucking nightmare. Ears. Oh my God. Yeah. Dude, for that, just, your just, verse is like a, what, like 40 seconds, 45 seconds long? Holy shit, dude. It was like. My guess, <laughs> my guess is the, the monitor engineer put my vocals up in your mix instead of in the side fills. Yeah. And, but, but, uh, that, you know, you just sort of expect that to happen. At this point, I just try, try to rely on the mains when I'm, when I perform with other people. I'm not too particular. Yeah, um, that's usually how I do it. Well, that was a great moment, man. I've been, I mean, I obviously love that song. It's one of my favorite songs that I've ever been featured on. I appreciate on. you being on it. And, uh, it was rad. Yeah, but uh, um, what else? You know, um, anything that like you know, really the, sticks out for you, like anything in like where you're like, fuck, it doesn't have to be you performing, or maybe you were, maybe you perform with a band, like, you know, like you said, like you ran out there and sang with a band or that you really love, or, you know. Yeah, I think, you know, the first time I played at Red Rocks, we opened up for Blues Traveler. Oh, cool. And they do 
they do a July 4th show every year. It's like their tradition. Uh, and before the show, um, John Popper, the harmonica player and lead singer, uh, invited me to the dressing room and he said, Hey, do you want to come up and sing a song with us? I said, absolutely. He said, um, we usually like to cover sublime what I got. Like, could you sing that? And I said, yeah, I know the lyrics to that one. So I jumped on stage and like the pouring rain with them and, I was like, whoa, this is a band I've listened to on the radio when I was a little kid, you know, like in seventh and eighth grade. That's so cool, man. And he was so nice. The band was so welcoming. And he said, if you ever need, you know, me as a feature on a song, let me know. And sure enough, when we were recording the Peace of Mind album, the song Closer I Get had this empty spot at the end. And I said, let's call um, John Popper and see if he'll get on the song. And he did. He, he did a harmonica solo on it. So Damn. that was kind of how that how that came to be that's rad that's really cool that's awesome god yeah i remember that, that i mean everybody remembers uh what the hook right that was the hook the name of the song the heart brings you back yeah and um i mean he's got such a, a characteristic like harmonica style right like you could tell when he's playing totally. um so that that was a cool moment i gotta say that was one, one of them that is very very cool um so I had some uh, some people uh, kind of write in on Instagram, just a few questions, and uh, some of the stuff we actually kind of covered through the conversation. But um, somebody, okay, Soul Rebel Twenty One uh, wants to know what's your favorite venue to play and why? Is it Red Rocks? <laughs> um, there's so many good ones. Yeah. Um, I actually really love where I'm playing on December twenty third. Uh, it's called the Independent here in San Francisco. Small, intimate, like six hundred person venue. Um, great sound. I feel like you can connect to the crowd. Uh, obviously, the Fillmore here in San Francisco is a great one. I'm a little biased because you know I live in San Francisco <laughs> from here, but uh, yeah, Red Rocks is fantastic. The Norva and yeah, um, great. Yeah, and Virginia, epic spot. Uh, where else? Yeah, I mean, th there's there's so many good ones, uh, but uh, yeah, Red Rocks is definitely up there too. That's awesome. Okay. Um, let's see. So, yeah, I know that um, you've been kind of dipping into Fender lately, right? I was, yeah. I was kind of, uh, you know, like I said, I was, I'm still trying to feel out the whole guitar world and just uh, as a guitar player, you know, sure. never truly satisfied with what you're playing. But um, I've actually been playing this, uh, it's called the D'Angelico, and they're from New York. And uh, I've been talking to them about uh, maybe putting out like a signature Eric Rachmani guitar. Oh. So, yeah, big we're time kind of shit. I know. I hope I uh, hope I'm allowed to say that, <laughs> but uh, um, I'm sure it's fine. Um, but they're they're a great company. They're they're known for their um, kind of jazz um, players, um, you know, playing their 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 guitars. But they're trying to get into different. Uh, genres and um, so I'm working with them to try to create like a custom Eric Rockman guitar it's pretty cool damn that's pretty sick you just I premiered some fucking news on my podcast everybody that's pretty sick I did <laughs> breaking breaking, breaking news. news that's the first time it's happened um, yeah no someone was just asking uh, what's your favorite Fender or <clears throat> or bass uh, I guess do you prefer like Telecaster or Strat when you're playing Fender or? 
I prefer um, a Strat. Um, cool. I'm, it's it's a really just easy guitar to play. Very versatile. Uh, there's a reason. Yeah, there's a reason why um, it's such a popular guitar. I mean, it's it's uh yeah, it is versatile. It's great for rhythm. It's great for leads. Um, the weight, the shape is great. Um, you can play blues. You can play it, reggae. You play funk. Yeah, and it, and it just it works for some songs uh, for me and and for others. You know not for some other songs, but there's a reason why it's so successful. You know, I get it. Right on. Um, let's see. Uh, what is your favorite Revolution record and what's your favorite song to perform? I think my favorite record is Count Me In. It's the fourth fourth record that we put out. Um, yes. There's a lot of different style songs on it. I mean, like uh, one of my favorite songs on that album is called Fade Away. And it's it's a really slow down kind of ballad. And uh, it's, uh, I don't know, there's just something about that song and something about that album that just, uh, I just really like the songwriting. It, it's, it was recorded very differently than the other albums. It's got a totally different sound. And I actually don't know if it's, a fan favorite or not, but um, I just really connect to the songs on that album, and um, but I like them all. I, there's not a, there's not an album I really don't like. Um, I'm proud of everything we've done and experimented and experimented with. So, uh, but yeah, I would choose that one. Nice, nice. and uh, <clears throat> that's when uh, Sean Logan did the art on that, right? Right, the dude right. crushes man. He does. Fills it. Um, <clears throat> let's see. I'm just kind of. Oh, uh, uh, let's see. Moto Rider two eighty eight wants to know uh, when can we expect a new Unified Highway record? Yeah, we've been we've been working uh, the last couple of years on a new record. Uh, we have like five or six songs close to being done. Um, we're just not sure how we're going to release them. Whether they're going to release some singles or a full album. Um. But they're awesome. I mean, if people, for those of you that don't know Unified Highway, it's a project with Amp Live. Um, he's a DJ producer that I've known for years. But it's a project that has a lot more like electronic and hip hop and R and B, but still some reggae in there. It's kind of just like whatever. Um, and it's just us. It's just a duo. Uh, we've only done the limited a few few shows in the past, but. Um, Definitely something we're going to continue to do. Probably ramp it back up in 2019. That's cool. That's really cool to have something um, on the side that you could just sort of like, really, it doesn't matter. Like, like you can just, there's no pressure. You do whatever you want, you know, cause, because revolution's kind of become this thing. And <clears throat> while you guys definitely do like different styles and things, um, just to have this thing that's completely different. And, you know, I, I imagine it's got, it's got to be like a release. It's great, yeah. Just like you said, for that reason, there's no pressure. I could do whatever I want. Um, I, I never really found any pressure with Revolution and the material we put out. I feel like our fans listen to a lot of different types of music, so yeah, I can see that. Uh, I don't feel I don't feel the need to like just keep things, you know, roots reggae or or you know whatever it may be. Um, but yeah, with Unified, it's like adding kind of like more synthesized like drum loops and working with kind of a producer that has really come from a hip-hop background um it's it's pretty fun yeah it's like a, who knows what we'll do so right on that's good to hear um uh bally hooligan 87 
uh, wants to know what makes a good song into a great song. Huh. Uh, yeah, no, that's a great question. I think honesty. Um, I think just exposing your true self through the music makes a great song. Um, I don't think like sound quality really matters that much. I think if you can really capture the essence of somebody or a group and put it onto a recording, that's what will make a, a, a you know, a good song that into a great song. Obviously it's gotta be a good song, um, from the get go as far as songwriting and catchy melodies. But when you can capture the essence of the artists and just expose the honesty and truthfulness behind the song, uh, and in, you know, in the, in, in the, in the take and the vocal take and guitar playing or whatever it may be. Um, that's what turns a, a good song into a great song. Good answer. Um, yeah, I definitely agree with you on that. I've definitely seen, uh, I've, I've heard live versions of songs first and then you hear like the recorded version after and, for whatever reason, that live version just hits you harder. Like it was, it yeah. wasn't done because you know, in the studio version is probably done a, a million times, you know, several takes. Um, and the live is, it is what it is. It's just the one time. And if the emotion's coming through, you know, yeah, definitely. Right. I can see that. Um, uh, okay. One more here, I guess. A uh, wage maker 420, uh, wants to know, how did you find Eric, your saxophone player? sick well yeah eric's a great musician um he was playing with tribal seeds for the longest time but that's how we met him he was playing with uh mike pinto um he's playing with actually multiple people in the scene he he got started in this reggae-esque genre <laughs> see i feel like i have a different name for this every single time <laughs> reggae inspired reggae-esque like, uh but he got started, I think, in high school. You know, he was um, touring at the age of, you know, 16 or 17. And um, he was getting in the studio, putting down horn parts for a lot of our friends. And once uh, our previous sax player, Chris Royal, uh, had to leave Revolution to focus more on his own music and, and um, stay put in New Orleans, um we were looking for sax players and uh, Hirschhorn, Eric Hirschhorn was definitely the recommendation from Chris and from a lot of our colleagues and just kind of knowing him through the scene uh, just came to be. And since then, I mean, he, he just feels like he's really just a part of this band and um, super easy to get along with, likes a lot of different kinds of music, brings kind of a jazz background to the band. So He's definitely a dynamic performer, and, and um, yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, he's he's a good dude. Um, <clears throat> I think pretty sure he was one of the guys uh, when you guys all came out to our show on Ocean City over the summer. Um, it was just like you guys and Common Kings, and uh, he, it, for our my tour manager said later he was like, "Dude, those guys, especially the guys with all the hair, you know, like Common Kings guys and Eric, um, how they <laughs> they were all during all the punk rock shit were just like." going crazy like moshing with each other and stuff and headbanging <laughs> that's <laughs> I awesome that was funny they appreciate it yeah <clears throat> um 
Damn, dude. Well, I don't want to keep you for too long here. Um, thank you so much for uh, for calling in and doing the show. Yeah, thanks, Howie. I mean, it's great talking to um, like a touring musician that knows the road, that's a friend, that puts out great music instead of just doing an interview with someone that I don't know. Um, and love the podcast, love what you're doing. Um, love Ballyhoo, man. We got a tour sometime. It's been been too long since we played a show together, and definitely looking forward to seeing you at One Love Festival in Long Beach. Yeah, for sure. Let's do that song, man. I think people love that. Definitely. Yeah, check out check out this chick is whack if you guys haven't heard it yet because it's an awesome song. So silly. <laughs> it's great. It's so good. Um, yeah, dude. Uh, no, seriously, you're like you're like. Probably the nicest guy that I've ever met in this fucking business, and I'm not just saying that. <laughs> I've had conversations <laughs> with people in the past, saying, he's so nice. I'm like, yeah, he is fucking nice. He, he really is, you know. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, I appreciate you always being cool to me whenever we talk and um, jumping on the song and, uh, you know, coming on the show and, and, you know, just just being a good dude. Thanks, Howie. Man, let's do it again sometime. Yeah, you got it, man. I will uh, see you... Uh, I guess in February. Cool. All right. Okay, bud. Take care. All right. Later. I told you. I told you. Dude's awesome, right? I mean couple of times i felt my my head like getting bigger because he was complimenting me you know like just just nice it's, it's nice to know nice people and especially in this industry you know you hear about assholes and things like that and i think i've said this before on the podcast but like i think a lot of uh, a lot of artists these days see the value in not being a dickhead and most of these guys and girls just are good people to begin with um and it really does go a long way so uh big thank you to eric rockmani for coming on the show uh, if you don't know revolution get on that shit they're all over the spotify's and the apple music's and the youtube's and the and you know all that stuff um go see a show they're great great fun live band uh the band is tight as fuck and um he's a great guitar player and uh yeah i think think that covers that right yeah oh and check out our song this chick is whack uh by ballyhoo featuring eric rockmani and the real big fish horn section it's just the way it came together i was just so i couldn't be happier you know um it's a fun song and his verse killed it and the real big fish guys just murder the horn section so yeah go check it out this chick is whack by ballyhoo um again all over wherever you listen to music Thank you for tuning into the podcast. Please rate, review, subscribe, uh, leave a five star review at, at iTunes if you get a second. Um, just it helps keep the podcast up in the uh, in the charts there uh, for discovery. Um, right right now, I'm at about 600. I'm hovering around 600 average average streams, um, average downloads of the podcast. So I'd like to get it to a thousand. So that just means more people gotta gotta listen, you know. So if you if, the, if you give it a five star review. Um, it's just going to keep it up in the charts at the top there and people are going to discover it um, and that will help with that so thank you so much and uh, we will see you soon more to come Tales from the Green Room Podcast <laughs>